This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, Tony Bennett is one of my favorite popular and jazz singers of all time. He is over 90 and last I heard is still going strong. This is an inspiration to me. And if you saw one of his recent TV specials, you saw he still gets hugs from Lady Gaga, (laughs) which is also an inspiration to me. (laughs) However, what brings him to mind this morning is a song, one of the songs he's noted for, Here is a bit of the lyric. Who can I turn to if you turn away? Who can I turn to when nobody needs me with no star to guide me and no one beside me? Who can I turn to if you turn away? Well, it is a song expressing fear that the beloved who gives meaning and purpose to his life may walk away and leave him with no star to guide him and no one beside him in life. It is a love song, but I think more than that, the lyrics have a resonance with fundamental human feelings. The song is a plaintive witness to the fact that we all need someone to provide us an anchor in our lives, a safe island in a stormy world, someone to trust with our deepest desires and profoundest fears, our sorrows and our weaknesses, someone to love us. 
and that that such people exist for many in the person of parents and family members, spouses and support groups and the dearest of friends is a blessing, a true gift of God for which we give thanks, even as our hearts and prayers go out to those bereft of such love and care. Yes, for those of us who are fortunate in life, there are those who love us and provide us an anchor for our lives and enrich and sustain our spirits by their very presence. Yet for all of that, for all of that, there are some things in life that we can only face alone. And even though people may be with us to support us, we must face them alone. The nagging guilt we feel for the things we have done or failed to do, the shame that creeps over us in the dark hours of tortured sleeplessness, when thoughts and memories we would like to suppress press ever more relentlessly upon us. We are alone in this turmoil. There is none we can turn to, none save the Lord Jesus, who has borne that guilt and that shame, and in his touch of forgiving love, wants us to know that it is now time to sleep peacefully. For he has taken these terrors to himself. Though loved ones may gather at the bedside the truth of our mortality and the fears and thoughts it may engender are finally ours alone. I recently spent time with Fred Moiser on, the occasion, on an occasion at Trinity. He was Trinity Lutheran Seminary's first president and I served together with him for many years as dean. We had a warm reunion with good, shared memories, and we, but as we stood to say goodbye, Fred, well into his 90s, said, Well, Jim, now I've got to think about dying. It was a simple admission from this man of strong faith and faithful service, and this was now his reality to deal with, as it is for each of us sooner or later. A short time after that meeting, we received the notice of his passing. I am as sure as I'm standing here that he knew where to turn to, to the Christ who claimed him in baptism as his forever with the promise of a resurrection like his. So said Peter in what was a rhetorical question, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, you have the words of eternal life. And so say we, only you, Lord Jesus, have the words of eternal life. It is finally only you we can turn to. But Peter had more on his, on his mind than his own needs or fate. His confession continues. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is a very big deal. The words of eternal life are about our destiny, but even more than that, the destiny of all humanity and the entire creation. The Holy One of God will bring all things to the fullness of divine perfection. This is the promise revealed and sealed in cross and resurrection, events that embody the words of eternal life. In fact, the events of cross and resurrection are the words of eternal life.
These words of endless life are not just about the life of the world to come either, or pie in the sky by and by, as people used to say in mockery of the faith. The words of eternal life are words to live by in the present as children of the future. Now there is much to experience in this world that is grand and beautiful. From the quiet beauty of Ohio's woodlands to the grandeur of the Rockies and the oceanic splendor of the coastlands, the miracle of birth and the joys of love and friendship, the aesthetic allure of music and the arts, all seem to suggest intimations of paradise. Yet for all of that, there is so much that is deeply flawed, tragic, brutal, and fragile that it is at times hard to imagine the fullness of perfection in the world of God's future, the world of everlasting life, the world of the new heaven and the new earth, as the book of Revelation would have it. But the words of eternal life, as words to live by, can bring that future into focus. The words of eternal life, as words to live by, can bring that future into focus. I remember a tearful young nurse standing by my mother's bedside when we entered the room. Mom's blood pressure was dropping drastically and the end was near. The nurse looked, this young nurse looked to us for for decision, but what was plain in her obvious sensitivity, empathy, and caring was that she knew She knew that life was precious in every moment, and this life, in particular, precious to us. I shall never forget her. She reminded me by just how she was that my mother's life and all life is precious to God. She was thinking of her duty, of course, but in her tearful empathy, she was exuding her faith. This young woman had a glimpse, gave us, in this young woman, we had a glimpse, a glimpse of God's future, a future of enduring life and abiding love. I spoke last week of a joyful experience of worshiping in a Lutheran church in Nuremberg. But as the joyful and sorrowful alternate in life, so on this trip as well, for I also went to Dachau, the concentration camp where so many Jews and others were terminated. There were memorial structures built there, Roman Catholic memorial, an Eastern Orthodox memorial, a Lutheran memorial, and a Jewish memorial. The Jewish memorial was a cave-like edifice. One walked down into a dark room of rough-cut stone bricks, unadorned except for a plaque remembering the millions of victims. But at the very end, one looked up to the ceiling above, and there was an opening to the sky. From that opening, a shaft of light streamed down into the gloom of horrendous atrocities. This evocative design That will mean many things to many different people who experience it. For me, it provides a powerful symbol for how the words of eternal life as words to live by speak of God's future and engender hope. 
Whenever then we insist that our churches and our government and our officials and institutions openly and vigorously oppose without reservation those elements that champion racist and anti-Semitic ideologies, whenever we insist upon opposing these impulses, we live the truth that in God's reign there is neither Jew nor Greek, but all are one in Christ Jesus. And thus, a shaft of light from God's future penetrates the darkness of human perversity. And if we actively promote understanding, reconciliation at all levels, and are kind to strangers in our midst with a readiness to forgive and embrace even those who have hurt us, then that shaft of light gets even brighter. Sisters and brothers, we are thankful for all the goodness in our lives. But we know that even in the best of times, there is always lurking in the depths of our mortality an undercurrent of desperation that threatens to overtake us and steal our peace. We need someone to go to, someone to love us and take us as we are, someone to give us hope and strength to carry on. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Well, then who do we turn to if you turn away? And Jesus says, I will never turn away, no matter what. Thanks be to God.